Good morning, church family. Good to see you guys. Man, beautiful day outside. A, I just a recap of last week, Easter. Again, man, God showed up. Uh, it was amazing. We had, uh, between all four services, we had over 60 decisions for Jesus. Come on, let's praise him in this place for that. And, uh, and we've got over 20 people signed up for water baptism after our second service today. And, and so we can't wait to celebrate with those folks. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that at the end of service. But uh, even if you haven't signed up uh, throughout the course of the day, if you feel like the Lord is leading you, uh, we'd love to participate and, and, and help you in celebrating your relationship with Jesus by going public through water baptism. Uh, man, uh, I'm excited to start this series uh, like Ricky said, for the next few weeks, we're going to be in this. We're going to be talking about the family. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics within that. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about raising kids. Uh, we're going to be talking about singleness. We're going to do some arranged marriages. I'm joking about that. We're not going to do that. <laughs> it's just weird. But uh, honestly, though, every once in a while, like when I think about my kids growing up and and uh, some of y'all, if you got kids like teenagers that are dating, you're like, actually, I would be all for arranged marriages based on some of the people that they're pursuing so far, right? You'd be like, that could be a really great thing, but we're not gonna do that. Uh, it is gonna be really good. But here's, here's the thing we know. And I sensed this even last week, just being honest. We had a lot of people coming back to church and I was really thankful for that, but I also just sensed that people were war weary from this season that a lot of people and families, marriages were coming in and, and even though they were putting on their Easter best, the reality was they were beat up. They, they, they are needing some healing. They're needing some recovery for their soul, recovery for relationships. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do that through this series. In Proverbs 24, three, it says this, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding, it's established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I'm hoping over the next few weeks that you can receive some knowledge, you can receive some understanding and some wisdom that if you apply, that's always <laughs> the qualifier, if you apply it, that it could really help in your families, in your homes. Look, a healthy home is not built by itself. It's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some effort. It's hard work. No one has ever regretted though, putting in the effort and the work to build a strong home. Now we have a lot of different kinds of families here at NLC. Uh, we have the traditional nuclear families, blended families, empty nesters, young couples, newlyweds, families with kids, families without kids, single parent families, grandparents raising their grandkids. I don't know if you knew that, but. It's a rising stat. One in four kids now are being raised by their grandparents. And I mean, I, and we, we have a few of those families here with us. And, and it, just amazing, amazing people that for whatever reason, different situations, they're in that place where they're raising their grandkids. And, and here's what we all know for sure. Uh, you can choose your friends, but you don't get to choose your family. So who you have is, is who you have. And God would want us to see it the way that he sees it so it can be everything that he would want it to be. But you also have to know there is no perfect family. Like it doesn't exist. Every family has issues. I, I think a good way to say this is all families are broken families. That's the truth. All families, we're all broken. 
And you may look around here and think, man, there's a lot of people around here that have a lot of things together. Well, I promise you, if we had an open mic, we could come up here and tell you some testimonies right now. Some of y'all could preach just about what happened this morning on the way to church about just how messed up your family is, how messed up your marriage is. We, we all need Jesus, and it's God's sovereign hand of grace that is building us all together in, in spite of us, in spite of how broken we are. But the truth is this, the family is under attack. The family is under attack. It's not actually something new. 1 Peter 5a says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I promise you, he is trying to devour families. He's trying to break them apart. There are a lot of forces that are against our families. There's economic forces, social forces, cultural forces, political forces, moral forces. But there's spiritual forces that are trying to use all of those forces to accomplish their end goal. Because if they can destroy families, they destroy the fabric of God's plan and purpose. The longest war in recorded history is the Liberian War that lasted 781 years. That's a long war. But the war we're in fighting for our families has been going on for thousands of years. And I think it's important that we see that war, see the battle, and know how to fight in it. In 1 Timothy 1.8, this is Paul exhorting Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. And that's so important because how many of y'all, maybe even if you're willing to admit it for yourself at one point or another, in the last couple of years, you have been engaging in a lot of different battles. You've been engaging in some battles that really, honestly, you don't even have a lot of influence or power to bring any amount of change in. Some of us have engaged in political battles. We've engaged in cultural battles. We've engaged in all these different battles. And what I think Paul is really exhorting Timothy to do is know the real battle. Know the only battle that's worth you fighting in and for. And he goes on to say this in chapter six, verse 11. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance and gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, the true faith, hold tightly to the eternal life in which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. In other words, like fight the real fight, be in the real battle and, and use all the right weapons. We're gonna talk about that. How do you fight for your family? I think first of all, you gotta know your opponent. And here's a big clue. It is not the person who ticked you off on the way to church this morning. That is not your real opponent. You've got to know your real opponent. And some of you, I just want to strongly encourage you, don't look around the room right now to try to find who you think your real opponent is. Because your real opponent is not in this room. But all of us at one point or another have been tempted by our own flesh, by our own desires to make opponents of the wrong opponents of the wrong people. We may think of different people over the course of our life, a boss, a family member, someone that we feel like, man, that, that was my opponent. No, not really. 
I know even when I was growing up, I had some people that bullied me, and I would think, man, those are my opponents. I think of one guy in particular, his name was Ronnie Martinez. This guy was a real trip. And he was just one of those guys, you know, hurt people hurt people. We talked a little about, about bullies last week. Bullies are not full of confidence. They're full of shame and insecurity, and that's why they bully other people. And he had a lot of that, and so I just happened to be his target. Well, for the most part, most of the fights, if you want to call them fights, I would really just call them me getting beat up. But if you want to call them fights, most of the fights I engaged with is I was really just trying to defend myself, but there was one time that was not the case. And I was walking down the hallway, and there was Ronnie and all of his these little goons over there, and I was walking past him. I don't even really know what he said, but he said it towards me, and then they all laughed. And that morning, I had just had enough. And so as I'm walking down the hallway, I gave him the finger, and it was the ring finger, like literally gave him the ring finger. Like I, I, I was too convicted to give him the bird. I wouldn't do that. I gave him the ring finger, but it looked enough like the middle finger, I guess, that he got ticked off. And so he follows me down the hallway, and, and I went into the bathroom. He follows me in the hallway, and then all his guys came behind and blocked off the entrance. And so I'm in there, and I'm just like, had enough of this, dude. I'm just like, all right, come on, bring it on. And so this, we're getting ready to go to blows in the bathroom. There's not a lot of room in there, so it's kind of awkward. But uh, so I, I, I just squared off, and, and, and I was like, all right, I'm not even going to give him a chance. And so I'm just going to bull rush him. You know, no fights like stay standing up. They all wind up on the ground, which is gross because we're in the bathroom. So I'm realizing now, all these years later, that wasn't a great place to do that. But anyway, so, so I decided I'm just going to bull rush him. And as I do, he swings at me, and I go like this. And he hits me square in the top of the head and breaks his finger. That is the closest I ever came to winning a fight. <laughs> like, it was over. Like, he did not want to fight anymore. He was in a lot of pain. I was like, yeah, hard head. But the truth is, it was pride that sucked me into that altercation. How many times do we let things like pride suck us into a battle with the wrong opponents? Especially in our homes. How many times do we let pride make an opponent of the very people that God has brought into our life to show the manifested love of who he is? It happens. Wars are won by intelligence. It's knowing your enemy's movements, their plans, their strategies. And when it comes to our real enemy, really to know those things, it can only be accomplished by the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to know our opponent. In John 10.10, 10, it says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. John 8, says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. You ever met somebody that they just couldn't help themselves? It's like everything that came out of their mouth, you're just like, eh, I don't think that's true. That doesn't sound right. And then you just, they just, that is, I, I literally believe if you were able to have a conversation with the devil, nothing that would come out of his mouth would have any truth. And he's trying to breed that into our homes. That is his strategy, to use deceit, to break people apart, 
Satan hates your family. He doesn't want your family to succeed. He doesn't want you to be close. He doesn't want you to learn to trust one another. And there's going to be tough times throughout the course of family. I'm not saying that all of it is the devil. We make choices. But Satan's number one goal is to divide, conquer, and destroy in the home. I'm convinced of that more now than ever. Ephesians 6, 12, very familiar verse. Who is our opponent? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So know your opponent, but also know your role. In other words, fight actively, not passively. As believers, when it comes to the real battle, we are on offense, not defense. I don't know if there's any boxing fans in the house. I've tried to watch boxing, but almost every boxing match I've ever watched, these guys just kind of like dance around, playing a lot of defense. Like I've watched like some, some big fights and that's all they did. All they did was just kind of dance around. That's why I like MMA. Cause those guys, they're not dancing. They're, they're going to break something. Some, some, there will be blood. Like, and so like, I, I'm like, I, I like that. Like they're, they're not interested in just standing back and playing defense and ring around the rosy. And, and, and like they're, they're, going, they're going to fight. And I think when it comes to understanding the battle we're in for our families, we have to have that kind of tenacity. We have to be willing to take the fight to the enemy. The first act of passivity, if you will, was in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, 6, it says this, the woman was convinced. She saw, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Underlying this, who was with her? And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes are open and they suddenly felt shame at their wickedness or at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So I just... I don't know about you, but there were so many times, even growing up, and I would hear the story of the Garden of Eden, and I would hear how the devil came and tempted Eve, and it was her fault. Eve, how evil she was. But the reality is, Adam's standing right there with her. So, I, so then you get this picture in your head, like Eve's over there, oh, okay, Satan, and, and Adam's just like, Gosh, she's pretty. I don't think we're supposed to do this. Man, she's pretty. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, I'll eat some too. He knew the truth. God made it clear to him. He walked with God in the cool of the day. 
He knew the truth. And he passively didn't fight. He passively allowed the enemy to have his way. Side note, there are too many men and husbands and fathers that are just standing around. And I'm not here, this isn't Father's Day, so I'm not here to make you feel bad about who you are. <laughs> Which happens at a lot of Father's Days, let's just be honest. Like, Mother's Day, you're the best other Father's Day, you suck. God has called us to lead. He created us to. Too many parents are standing around passively watching their kids make decisions that are not just affecting their today, it's affecting their eternity. Too many parents are engaged with the things that aren't important and too passive with the things that are absolutely vital. So, What's your role? Declare God's truth over your family. Speak life into your family. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray over your kids. Pray over your siblings. Pray over your parents. Know what the word of God says for you and make sure that as many people that are around you that you love have as deep of an understanding about what it says about them as possible even when it feels like they're not listening. You just keep speaking the truth in love. In Proverbs 8, 21, it says, the tongue is the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's two different ways. There's two different types of fruit you can eat. If you love to use the tongue to cut people down, to build yourself up, and to be negative, you will eat that nasty fruit. But if you love that the tongue can bring life and exhortation and wisdom and understanding and life, you can also eat that fruit. Know your plan. You gotta know your plan. To be intentional means to be deliberate, planned, premeditated, calculated. It means to do something on purpose. So I just wanna say this, young people, you need to pay attention. Look, if I were in high school or college or a young couple, I would invite every friend I know to this series. I wouldn't tune out, I would tune in because this stuff is going to hit you in your life. This is coming. When should you learn about marriage? Before you're married. When should you learn about your vision for your family? Before you have a family. When should you learn how to find a spouse before you fall in love? Because if you don't, when you fall in love, it's too late. You'll convince yourself they're the one, but you won't be looking at what does God say about the one? We just have a tendency to react to life instead of wisely respond the way God would want us to. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. 
everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown. They get a crown that will not last. But we do not get a crown. But we get a crown that will last forever. Sorry. Sometimes I words up my mix. Therefore, you know. Uh, therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. Do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I always get a picture of somebody who hates spiders walking through a spider web at night. <laughs> and you can't see it. And they're like, ah! <laughs> Think they're going to die. That, that's the picture I get in my head. And it just looks silly. No. Strike a blow. Where? <laughs> to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, take personal responsibility to be disciplined enough to have a plan. It's no one else's fault. It's no one else's fault. Take it on for yourself. So what are some elements of your plan? Well, first of all, understand everything you do models. You're a model. Think about all the things we learn in a family just from observation, whether we realize it or not. We learn how to handle conflict. We learn how to handle emotions. We learn how to handle losses. Pray for my kids. I don't handle losses that great. How we also learn, though, one of the more important things, how do we have fun? How do you have fun? Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, So I recommend having fun. Because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink coffee, and enjoy life. It's my, this is the translation that I've got. It's really good. Look, parents, your kids are watching you. They're watching you. Have fun. Laugh. Look, Jesus was full of life. He wasn't like this somber, super mellow, like the picture a lot of times we get in our head of Jesus, like I just don't think it's accurate. There's this, this show, The Chosen. I'd encourage you to check it out. I, uh, to me, based on my understanding of scripture and my personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think it's one of the best depictions of who Jesus was like. Like it's just good. But have some fun. Show affection to your spouse around your kids. It's my goal every day to make my kids as awkward as possible by showing Cody affection. But here's the thing, like my kids may be like, oh, that's gross, that's gross. I'm glad they think it's gross. I want my girls to think it's gross until they're 30. But, but here's the thing, I know that me showing affection to their mom in front of them, it creates stability in their heart. And you know what? They'll see us fight too. But they'll also see us be humble and teachable to each other and to them. But just have joy. Show affection. Parents, you gotta work and sacrifice and nurture. And kids, your role is to honor. It says in Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and mother then you will live long. Full life in the land the Lord God is giving you. If you wanna have a great life, I think all of us, no matter how old you are, maybe you need to revisit the honor element 
when it comes to your parents. So some of you in a scenario where your parents, your siblings, extended family are not serving the Lord. This method of your plan is that much more important that you model, be an example, show them a life of grace. I find that people won't always remember everything that you said, but they will remember how they felt when they were around you. You don't have to have all the right words. You don't need to feel like it's your role to try to show somebody that's in your family who's not following the Lord how wrong they are or what the word says about their life or their choices or their sin or anything else. Your role is to sincerely love them until they care what you think and wanna hear it. We also have moments. This is a part of our plan. You gotta create memories. And I would encourage you to create memories combined with teaching moments. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all of your mind. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Now, this was, this was symbolism. This was just like, hey, this should just always be around you. The Israelites would take it literally. They would actually take the Torah, portions of the Torah, and put it in little boxes, and the rabbis would, would strap them to their foreheads. And sometimes you, you still see all over Israel on homes, they have these little boxes next to their doors where they put scripture I don't think it's a horrible idea though, that you have a lot of reminders around you about God's plan, his purpose, his commands. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I just wanna let you know that even though I'm a pastor and one of the things I do is communicate, my four kids are not sitting around just waiting for me to deliver a sermon to them. Like I've never gotten up in the morning and walked into the living room and they were sitting in there with Bibles and pens and notepads like, Father, we dare not even commence the day forth lest we hear a word from the Lord, from our anointed Father. Please now share your infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding with us. No, that's never happened. Actually, nothing even close to that has happened, ever. But how often am I talking about the word? All the time. At home, in the car, at bedtime. We're starting and ending every day in prayer and in that prayer is chocked full of scripture, promise, purpose. There's so many times I'm, I'm driving kids out of the school. I'm gonna pray for them, every one of them before they get out of that car and walk into those schools. And, and I would love it if they like, oh, Father is praying, everyone hold hands. Get out the anointing oil, come on, we need it. Most of the time, or at least some of the time, they're not even listening. 
but I think they are. But I definitely want the devil to know because he's listening. I want him to know. I know who my family belongs to. And it's not you. Create those moments though. Have some fun. You need family nights. Be intentional about this. Do board games if you can muster the grace and patience to do that. Do some movie nights. Go out to eat every once in a while. Have bike rides together. Go on walks together. Go get a, go get a pizza and just go to a park and play. And go, go hiking together. Create memories. And also make sure you see the milestones. Celebrate milestones. Birthdays, holidays, water baptisms, baby dedications. What I have found though, is this doesn't happen if you don't plan it. And, and honestly, this is a little bit of a weakness of mine. Thankfully, Cody and our oldest daughter is honestly the best planner in our home. She's amazing. She loves it. She's gifted with it. So we're just like, you can plan every birthday party. That's fine, including your own. That's great. Let's just, you're gifted, you're anointed. It fulfills you. We want you to be fulfilled. Plan everything. Thank you. But this is the truth. The enemy has a plan to steal the joy from your home. You better have a plan to inject joy into your home. You've got to have a plan for that. And you also have to know your weapons. Know your weapons. I'm going to wrap this up quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Top five favorite verses for me. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapons we fight with are not physical. We don't throw hands. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't need to fight by natural means of name-calling and sarcasm and belittling. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. He wants you to live your life offended and bitter. If you're gonna fight with natural means, you will live as that person. And too many of us do that. Too many believers are fighting spiritual fights with physical, natural strategies. Someone rejects us, well, I reject you back. Someone critiques us, you'll, I critique, critique you too. So take that. So how do you fight back? With prayer. With the word of God spoken in love and then powerful truth. With grace, with forgiveness. Those are the ways that you fight back. You have to understand what this says about you. You have to let this be what defines what's important, what really matters. In 2 Timothy chapter four, it says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return 
And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Man, I think this is just a good exhortation about how I want to end my life when it comes to how I've led my family. You have to know, and no offense, you are not what's most important to me. This church, this room, this crowd, you're not even second on the list, no offense. But if I keep the main thing, the main thing, that is what God is gonna hold me accountable to. And I wanna stand before him knowing that I poured out like a drink offering. What's at the center of your family? What is most important? You better figure that out. I like what Joshua said in chapter 24, but as for me and my household, we're gonna serve the Lord. You know, the truth is God is the divine builder of your home and your family. And, and I know that there are so many times when you feel weak and you don't feel able. And I know that some of you right now, the biggest thing you're wrestling with is the shame of you understanding that you haven't done a good job. Well, I want you to know that it is in your weakness that God's power is made perfect. And if you will just simply humble yourself and turn towards his plan and towards his purpose, he can redeem all the lost time. I've seen it over and over and over again. I want you to have an unshakable foundation in Christ. I want you to imagine your life with the kind of security and stability that God truly wants for you to have. You won't be on your own either. There's a biblical community here that can lean on each other, that can learn from each other. Some of you, I think you probably walked in here feeling unsettled based on what I've heard from so many different marriages and so many different parents. I know that that's the truth. There's been a lot of unsettling, unstable and shaky things that have happened as a result of a lot of things that have happened this last year. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has designed you, he's gifted you and created you with everything that you need to have a firm faith in him. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Walk into the truth of God's purpose for your family, but go on the offensive. Stop sitting back and letting the devil have his way. Remind him again, who is the Lord of your home? Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. A godly home, a biblical home, a biblical marriage, a biblical family, uh, it, it can only happen if the Lord is the Lord of that, if he's in control, if he's in charge. And the truth is this, it starts with the leadership in the home. There's spiritual authority that takes place. And so no matter what phase of life or what structure of family you have, at the end of the day, if Jesus is not Lord, of all, 
then he's not Lord at all. And if you want him to be Lord of all, if you want him to to bless and strengthen and have grace and and mercy and forgiveness in your family, in your home, and over your marriage with your kids, that starts with you being totally submitted to him. It, It comes through having a relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you know that he isn't truly your Lord, you've never truly submitted your life to him, you're away from him. You don't have any confidence of your eternal existence. I want you to have confidence. Or maybe you just drifted away from him. At one point you were close to him. It may have been over the course of this last year that you drifted away from him. And maybe you need to come back and rededicate and redeclare, no. As for my life, as for me and my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord, but I know I need to submit my life again to him. And if you're the one of those people, nobody's looking around. But I would love to pray with you. And just as a confident and bold sign and symbol of you saying, I need him. I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I got you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. Got you, guys. Yes, ma'am. There at the back, I saw you. Thank you. Anyone else? Got it. I got you. I got you. Yes, sir. Got you. Now, just know this. You raising your hand is not what gets you saved. But I I know from personal experience, like whenever I've put myself out there and done something that could even be embarrassing, even though it's just me and you and the Lord that are seeing this right now, but when you just take a physical act of your free will to admit weakness, in my life, I've just seen, man, God's grace shows up in that and it helps release faith in me. Is there anyone else you need the Lord? You're away from him. Okay, got it. You need to come back to him to say. So for everyone that raised your hand, uh, first of all, I would encourage you to tell somebody about what's going on, what the Lord spoke to you and, what, and this commitment that you're making. Tell them as soon as you can, as soon as the service is over. I'd strongly encourage you to go public with that decision through water baptism, which we have an opportunity for that right after our second service. Even if like, if you don't have time to go home and get a change of clothes, we actually have everything that you would need to take that step today. But you can make this decision right there in your chair. You can make a private decision. Your faith is never meant to be private though. Your faith is meant to be public. But let's just talk to them. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Just say this, say, Father, here's my life. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. Right now, I feel really distant from you. But I I believe that you have a plan for my life. And part of that plan was you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And so right now I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. I thank you that just like we just celebrated Easter, that you, you didn't stay dead, you rose from the grave and you defeated death itself. And because of that, because of that, I know that I, because I'm making this decision, because I'm believing in you now that I have the hope of heaven. But I thank you, God, I, I, don't, I don't wanna just have the hope of heaven, I wanna have the purpose, and the calling and the life that you came to give me now. I wanna live that out, I wanna see your will be done in my life now. And so I surrender to you as my Lord. 
and I repent, God, from living for myself, for living the way I wanna live. I wanna live for you and your plan because I know, God, that that's the only way that I'm gonna have life and have it to the full. That's what I want. I want it for me. I want it for my family. I want it for my spouse. I want it for my kids. I want it for my future spouse, my future kids. I want it for my home, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your love, your acceptance and forgiveness in their life. Lord, I thank you that that same grace, that same love and forgiveness is gonna help us to fight the good fight, to fight for our families, to fight for what matters and what's important. God, give us wisdom as we continue in this series. Thank you, you're gonna continue to peel back the layers and help us to see where we can grow and learn and then apply to be the people that you've called us to be so that we can be the church that you've called us to be. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.